What is good, everybody? Welcome to episode 81. 81? 81 of Defenders of the Bank. That voice you heard, of course, sitting across from me in the best of all the Westerns here in beautiful Rancho Cucamonga, California, right next door to Ontario. More on that in a minute, of course, is the man, the myth, and the gulliest. Christian Philly Philemon. The gulliest. All right. That gives me some street credibility right away. Episode 81, Defenders. And yes, Scarf said it. We are in Rancho Cucamonga. We are not in Philemonster Studios. And the reason for that, truthfully, we can just tell them right now, Scarf. Let's do it. We went to go support the Ontario Fury. Why? Ontario what? <laughs> Ontario Fury. Oh, God. Look up the video. You have to look up the video. It's hilarious. We said it on one of the previous episodes. YouTube the Ontario Fury song. It'll make you laugh. At the very least, it might get stuck in your head. But anyway, we came out to support the Ontario Fury, and we came to hang out with our buddy Bruce. Shout out to Bruce. Bruce Yay, Bruce. And Adrian Perez was in town as well. And not only do we get to have a photo done with Adrian Perez and chat with him for a little bit, but during our live stream scarf... Something that a lot of people can't say happens often happened. We were streaming. Not only did we catch two goals. That's right. We caught two goals. We actually started our stream with the beginning of Adrian Perez being honored in between the first and second quarter. We caught two goals. And then Philly, according to the referee, something he's seen before, which blew my mind, but something we have never seen before. 7-0 win over the Mesquite Outlaws. I I couldn't believe it. Tiago Goncalves scores the third goal. And then runs into the stands. But this was no malice at the Palace, Philly. This was something very, very different. Something we thought was really, really cool. He proposed to his girlfriend, or at least someone who he proposed to. We hope that's his girlfriend. If not, that's a really awkward conversation on the way home for the other guy. But yeah, <laughs> The weirdest proposed, kiss cam moment ever. <laughs> he proposed to his girlfriend. It looked like she said yes. He came out of the stands, and the referees promptly threw him out of the game. So apparently you can't go into the stands even to propose to your girlfriend. But what a cool night that was, being able to see Adrian Perez get honored in between the first and second quarters. Yes, they play quarters in indoor soccer. And Four again, of them. A big thank you to Bruce and to everybody out there of the Ontario Fury that we were able to see and talk to. And shout out to our buddy Luke and all of his friends who sat next to us. Uh, you may have seen a scarf on the Jumbo or at least Mini Tron that's a up flexing there. scarf, that's not right. just a scarf, a scarf in heat. We, we had <laughs> we had a good time. You guys know how we like to do our episodes. We've got this day in LAFC history coming up, along with a bunch of LAFC news and notes. We're going to have Philly do a little Jersey Launch Week update, as he was actually at two of the events, rather than my just being at one of them. We did have a preseason match against FC Dallas, closed to the public, but watched by the media. We'll have an update and a recap on that. One of our favorite segments, looking to Leon. We will have a very short update on that, as Leon has not played another game since. And then we are going to break down the new collective bargaining agreement signed by Major League Soccer Players Association and Major League Soccer. It's going to be good things for the players, and we'll talk quite a bit about that as we go through the episode. But you guys know what's coming up next. It's this day in LAFC history. And we are recording this episode Saturday. It is not yet noon on Saturday, February 8th. Again, here in beautiful Rancho Cucamonga, the home of the Quakes. And on February 9th in 2017, LAFC announced a partnership with Panasonic as the official launch partner and digital solutions provider for Bank of California Stadium, setting the record for the most square footage of LED video display technology in an MLS stadium, 15,000 square feet of LED video display technology. Shout out to our buddy Al, the director of Match Day Presentation at LAFC. He gets to play with all 15,000 square feet of that. 
On February 9th, 2018, LAFC played their second preseason game in team history, a 1-1 tie to NYCFC. And on February 9th, 2019... LAFC announced that trialist Connor O'Brien and Ricky Lopez Espin had left preseason camp to pursue other opportunities. More on players no longer in preseason camp for us this year in a little bit. And lastly, on the 10th of February last year, 2019, LAFC comes back to draw defending MLS Cup champion Atlanta United 2-2 in a preseason friendly. And of course, who scores one of those two goals? Adrian Perez, formerly of the Ontario Fury, Carlos Vela providing the second goal, and it was Pity Martinez scoring off of a free kick for the first time in Atlanta United. And lastly, on that day, the 3252 also held their first general elections, which we got to attend. And congratulations, because that meant Jimmy Lopez was elected president for 2019, and I believe 2020. I think it's a two-year term. Last thing I want to talk about on this day in LAFC history, because you might hear a little bit more from this player later on in our season. On February 11th, 2019, Aaron Kovar announced his retirement from professional soccer. He went up to pursue his degree from Stanford, which is a pretty good school. And that is the end of this day in LAFC history. Philly, we have a ton of news and notes. And I think the biggest one has to be the injury to our great one, number 99. Indeed, he sustained a fourth metatarsal fraction in the game against NYCFC, and this comes as a big blow. Bob went on record to say we will miss Dio for Champions League, but he should be ready to come back early in the season. We shouldn't miss too much of him, but as is the case with Dio's entire career, he's been plagued by injuries since gracing the black and gold roster. He's the type of player that can come through and have a tremendous impact. Lord only knows how much of an impact he would be making if he was healthy altogether. But yes, we will not be having Dio for the Champions League, and we will probably not be having him for the match against Inter-Miami on March the 1st. Yeah, Philly, this is a guy who's only started 29 games in his black and gold career. Hard to believe. He's been such a big part of what goes on though with LAFC. He is our third leading scorer in team history with 22 goals, despite only starting those 29 games. And again, remember, he didn't start either of the playoff games last year and scored two goals in, I believe, just something like 68 minutes of playoff match experience. So we really hope that Dio comes back quickly from the injury. But again, with all the depth that we have, and especially with the emergence of Adrian Perez, who's looked pretty good in the preseason, I'm perfectly fine with us going out there with obviously Raito Rossi and Carlos Vela out there as our starters and then being able to bring in somebody like Adrian Perez off the bench. Hey, who knows? We might even see some time at striker for Latif Blessing, who of course played striker in Ghana. He has played pretty much every position except goalie so far. He wanted gloves, though. He said he would play if they gave him gloves. Absolutely. He said he would. I I think that'd be great. Also, still kind of waiting there in the wings and lurking. I'm hoping there's a BWP sighting at some point. Despite the fact that MLS Extra Time had mentioned that Bradley Wright Phillips left LAFC's training ground not to be practicing with the team anymore, LAFC announced today, Saturday, January the 8th, that Bradley Wright Phillips is actually a member of the Black and Gold. And the way we realized that is there was a video that came out with him wearing the new kit 
kicking up his black LAFC hat and putting it on. What an amazing and pleasant surprise that was for a Saturday night. I think Scarf and Panda and and Nina... We all toasted shortly after that. Bradley Wright Phillips is going to add a lot of great depth to this roster. Another number 99. He probably will not be wearing number 99. Don't get your jerseys yet with 99 because we know that jersey belongs to Dio. But with him being hurt, having Bradley Wright Phillips available for CONCACAF Champions League as well as the beginning of the season is going to be a very, very big thing. On behalf of Defenders of the Bank, we are beyond thrilled. Welcome, Bradley Wright Phillips. Tucked into that article, though, about the Adama Diamande injury, Phil. Very much tucked yeah, in. Yeah, very much tucked in. Was a tooth fairy couldn't find this one. <laughs> a small sentence about the departure of three of our four draft picks. Goalkeeper Paulo Pita, Younes Budati, and the man who felt the curse of Kevin Mendoza, Jorge Gonzalez. Three of our four draft picks no longer with the team. And if you're wondering about the curse of Kevin Mendoza, it's a lower draft pick scoring in the preseason and getting cut shortly after. The only place, though, that you could have seen Jorge Gonzalez's goal live was through the exclusive keyhole footage on Instagram Live from Defenders of the Bank. I was there. I saw it firsthand from about 250 yards away with a good zoom on my iPhone lens so congratulations to Jorge Gonzalez on the goal and good luck to all three of those boys and may they land on their feet somewhere hopefully in the USL so we can watch them grow the only draft pick left on our roster from the University of Michigan boo is Jack Callahan (laughs) he showed some flashes of brilliance in the game against Peñarol he wasn't even one of our top picks. Pablo Pita was our first pick. I was quite surprised to see that he went, but the emergence of Philip Edgemato back in training camp led me to believe there's no way that Pablo Pita was going to get on this roster. Kenneth Vermeer clearly being our number one. Pablo Susniega probably going to be our backup. Philip Edgemato resuming his role as the third keeper will probably end up back in the USL at some point, and we just don't have room for a fourth. So Jack Callahan is all that remains from that draft. Yeah, Philly, a left-footed striker. That's something we definitely need more of here on LAFC with Carlos Vela playing that position. He was the one that I openly talked about being the least likely to stick around. And yet here we go, all the way through preseason training camp almost, and he's still there. So congrats to Jack Callahan. Philly, on Friday, LAFC announced that they and Josh Perez had mutually agreed to part ways. To me, Philly, this ends one of the more interesting chapters in LAFC history as Josh was seemingly rescued off the Serie C scrap heap. It's a nice way of putting it. Right? You know, he added some depth to LAFC. He saw action in a total of 16 matches for the black and gold, but I think eight of those saw him play fewer than 10 minutes, and five or six of those were just one-minute substitutions at the end. But he did make four starts. He tallied one goal and one assist, as well as being loaned out to Phoenix Rising. And Philly, what really brought us a lot of optimism when we first brought this kid in, he played for the U.S. men's national team under 17, under 19, under 20, and under 23 squads. So you're talking about a guy who was definitely on the U.S. men's national team program radar. He was actually the leading scorer for the U-17s in 2015, tallying six goals. And that was while playing alongside Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams. They did finish last in their group in that World Cup, the under-17 World Cup. So, you know, kudos to Josh for giving us some depth, and I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. 
But that, that was a pretty interesting signing and unfortunately just didn't go the way we thought it would. Philly, maybe with the emergence of Bryce Duke, his time was numbered. That's been a real crazy surprise. Kudos to our scouting team for going out there and discovering Bryce Duke in that Barcelona Academy in Arizona of all places. But with the emergence of Bryce Duke, with Adrian Perez coming into camp, being in the best shape, and as per our sources, he's actually come in better shape than most of our regular starters have. And... His play, he's been enjoying the fruits of his labor. He scored a goal, and we heard he's been killing it in practice. Bob, during the post-game conference match against Peñarol, went on record to say Adrian's been knocking him in the back of the net. He isn't surprised that he scored. We have a stacked lineup. Where Josh is going to feature is beyond me, but Josh is only going to get buried in the depth chart, and that's not going to do anything to help sustain his career going forward. Another rumor going on is that Facundo Torres, the 19-year-old forward from Peñarol, was going to be the player that they signed. If you don't know, he did play in the match against Peñarol. He is a graduate of Peñarol's youth academy. He never featured in an actual match in the Uruguayan First Division with the senior team. The first match he really did play in was the match against LAFC, but he did practice with LAFC in the match prior to Peñarol. So reliable sources out there are stating the fact that he could be the next roster signing. And Philly, he's the one that banked it off the goalpost, I believe, for exactly. the penalty kick for Peñarol. So he could have tied it. the game, he could have tied the game. So that's He was helping Facundo us, Torres so that is. means he's coming to our team. Look, he didn't want to score against his future team. You know what I'm hoping for, Philly. Other than Gigi Buffon yeah, is but not he's, domestic. He's not domestic. No, no, no. I want the return of beta time, baby. I know that he's a defender. We have a bunch of defenders right now. He wouldn't get a lot of minutes. I just love having Steven Betashore on this team. He's a great dude, and every single time he joins a franchise, he joins a club, he joins a team, they all of a sudden have their best season or run of seasons in team history. So to me, Steven Betashore symbolizes much more than that. He's a veteran presence in the locker room. He's just one of those guys that you like champion. to have around. Yeah, he, absolutely. So maybe, hopefully, that domestic package is Stephen Betashore, who still hasn't left. Philly, another Bob Bradley-related news. Our head man recently made headlines by echoing another former U.S. men national team head coach, Bruce Arena, in his thoughts that the U.S. men's national team will, in his words, 100% make the World Cup in 2022. Bradley, the three-time MLS Coach of the Year in three different decades, led the U.S. men's national team to the round of 16 in 2010, where they fell to Ghana. We've been watching the Conmebol pre-Olympic qualifying tournament quite a bit as we have four LAFC players playing in that. By the way, it's interesting to note, there are only five MLS players in the entire Conmebol pre-qualifying tournament, and we've got four of them. Let's give a quick update on how the first and second match days went. I'll take match day number one, Philly. Uruguay fell to Argentina in the first match day of the final group stage of the Commonwealth pre-Olympic qualifiers. Francisco Janela started and went the first 80 minutes, while Diego Rossi had to sit out due to yellow card accumulation. And on the second match of the day, Colombia, with a bit of a surprise result, led by Edward Atuesta and Eddie Segura. Captain Edward Atuesta. That's right. Both starting and playing the full 90. They earned a 1-1 draw against Brazil much optimism there and again it's it's important to remember this tournament being held in Colombia so definitely getting a boost from the home crowd and that leads us to match day number two Philly and this time I think it was Uruguay with the result on match day number two as you said Uruguay earning a tough draw against Brazil 1-1 Diego Rossi started and went the full 90 Francisco Janela was an unused sub on the bench, but he was within the 18. Now, 
We're talking about Colombia. Colombia couldn't keep its hot streak going. They fell to Argentina 2-1. to one. Both Eddie Segura and Captain Edward Atuesta started and played the full 90 with Atuesta picking up a yellow card for his efforts. <laughs> yeah, nice Atta job boy. there by Captain Eddie. So, again, don't forget to watch this Sunday, February 9th. It's a big day with one match left for each team. Argentina sits atop the group. They've won both their matches, six points. They are guaranteed a spot and the top spot, by the way, in qualification. But the second qualifying spot is up for grabs. Brazil controlling its fate. If they can beat Argentina, their final match of the group, that sees them through and qualified in the pre-Olympic qualifying tournament. But the other match is the one that we want to watch, Philly. It features all four of our LAFC players, Colombia playing Uruguay, and they could all be on the pitch together. Good luck to our four boys this Sunday. It's important to note, if Brazil wins that game, we will not be missing these four guys down the road in Olympic qualifying, but I don't ever want to hope for something like that. I want to hope that these guys get to represent their country with their, their name on the back, but their, their country name on their crest in the Olympics. Nothing must be cooler than walking out during the opening ceremonies, the, the Olympic parade there. I don't want to take that away from anybody as much as I want to see these guys in black and gold. So you and I will definitely be keeping an eye, Philly, on this last game on Sunday. One last small connection. We are recording this, Philly, as the XFL makes its return. Oh, God. I know, I oh, know. God. I think it's Seattle and D.C. playing right now, so the Sounders taking on the United in the XFL. We'll have to see how that goes. There is a small XFL-LAFC connection with the XFL kicking off today. We do have one team that plays near Los Angeles, down in Carson. They are calling themselves the Los Angeles Wildcats. They open their season, though, this week on the road against the Houston Roughnecks, and Heather Brooks Carrots is the president of the Wildcats, the Los Angeles Wildcats of Carson. She was an executive with LAFC before she moved over to the XFL. She was also general counsel and senior vice president of Relativity Sports. So she'll be taking the helm for your Los Angeles-ish representative, LA Wildcats. And just a couple of other LA ties real quick, Philly. I know we're a soccer podcast, but I really want to talk about this for just two seconds. Norm Chow is the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. And all of our USC Trojan fans out there from the glory days of Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Lendale White, Pete Carroll. He was the offensive coordinator, the architect behind those Heisman trophies and all those great performances. Nobody talk about Vince Young, please. There's only one player from either USC or UCLA on the Wildcats, and that's everybody's favorite, Daquan Hampton. Daquan transferred from Long Beach City College to USC. He played a couple of years for the Trojans, and he'll actually be the hometown kid as he's from Carson, so he'll be playing for the Carson Wildcats. Our starting quarterback, Philly, I I love finding these little gems in the rough. Josh Johnson, who was the former backup, I believe, to Josh Freeman at Tampa Bay. The guy has signed a contract and been paid by 13 NFL teams, and he actually threw a pass for five of them. And and you know me, Philly. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one other member of the Wildcats, defensive coordinator and linebacker coach Pepper Johnson. Philly, I'm sure you're well aware. Pepper won two Super Bowls with the New York football giants under Bill Parcells and defensive coordinator. Bill Belichick. He went on to play under Belichick for Cleveland and for the Jetropolitans before becoming a defensive coach under Bill Belichick and, of course, the great Tom Brady for 14 seasons from 2000 to 2013. Just in case I haven't mentioned them in a while, Philly, Patriots. Disgusting. <laughs> 
<laughs> did you have me? You, you didn't just mute me by chance for that whole thing, did you? No, I thought about it for a oh, quick thank second. Goodness. I mean, that was quite a dive into football. Well, and this is a football podcast. You, you, but this is thought, interesting. The LAFC connection, I had no idea. Yeah, so and, the and, homework you did there was really good. And by the way, you thought I was done. But the receivers coach <laughs> for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Oh, by gosh. the way, Philly, what's a Battlehawk? Anyway, uh, the former Rams wide receiver, Oz Zakir Hakim. And I, I have to tell you, one of my favorite teams to watch, Philly, was the greatest show on turf. Quarterback Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk. He was the third wide receiver in that. And I just wanted to give a little shout out to my dad, one of my dad's favorite players ever, former Navy quarterback Keenan Reynolds, who led them to some of their best seasons in history. He'll be playing wide receiver for the Seattle Dragons. Now, Philly, there are two Boise State players playing, but unfortunately for Philly, there are no former Indiana Hoosier football players suiting up in the XFL. And in other news, Indiana has a college football team. Indeed. Loyola Marymount does not. <laughs> so thank you for bringing that to our attention. All right, Although so, there was an Indiana Hoosier that played in the Super Bowl, yes. a la Tevin Coleman Tevin for Coleman. the San Francisco 49ers. Sorry, Tevin, and sorry, Monty, and, and, and sorry, everybody out there who was rooting for the sorry, Niners. Sorry, Niners Nation. Philly. We had a preseason match against FC Dallas, and now that I've been our little segue over to the XFL, let's get back to LAFC stuff and talk about FC Dallas. Thank you, thank you. Now, for many of you who are wondering, that match was closed to the public but open to the media. And I mentioned it on the previous pod that I would be able to cover the match for you and tweet and post and do all kinds of things of that manner. Unfortunately, work-related obligations prevented me from going into Bank of California Stadium, but... The match itself had a lot of positive notes, despite the fact that LAFC ended up in a draw against FC Dallas. The starting lineup in this matchup, Bob went with his traditional 4-3-3. You had Pablo Cisniega starting in the back of the net this time, rather than Kenneth Vermeer. Yep. You had Tristan Blackman, Dejan Yakovic, Jordan Harvey, Diego Palacios, Latif Blessing, not the ghost, the real Alejandro <laughs> Guido, by the way. Because of the departure of Josh Perez, oh. a lot of you have been tweeting out there, no more name that Perez. Well, we had four Perez's. Technically, we still have two because Alejandro Guido's entire name has Perez at the end of it. That's so right. we can still play that name that Perez game despite the fact that there aren't as many Perez's it's on the not roster. not dead yet. No. Bryce Duke, we talked about him earlier. Another surprising start. Brian Rodriguez, who's definitely the positive note. Adrian Perez, Loyola Marymount's finest, and a guy we had a chance to converse with at the Fury game yesterday. And, of course, Carlos Vela. Now, we saw one player to watch for on FC Dallas when we were down in Carson watching the U.S. men's national team. Jesus Ferreira. Yeah, nobody messes with the Jesus. No. Jesus Ferreira, the Colombian-born 19-year-old, made his U.S. men's national team senior squad debut last month down in Carson. He's appeared for the 17 and 23 under teams for Team USA. He tallied eight goals and six assists in 33 games last year for the playoff-making FC Dallas squad. And Philly, he was just 18 years old all of last season, getting run in 33 matches. And he won't turn 20 until after this. This season is over, Christmas Eve 2020. So we're going to talk a little bit more about Jesus Ferreira a little bit later. But, Philly, we got on the board first, and we've talked about it on this podcast. As soon as he saw one go in, they would come in bunches. And the first goal scored by Rayito, Brian Rodriguez, as he raced around his defender and beat the goalie to his right to give LAFC the lead 1-0, his second goal in as many preseason matches. And, Philly, 
I think, you know, I, we've talked about it. We firmly believe that Raito is going to score more. And what I think that does more than anything else is to allow Carlos Vela to breathe a little bit out there. We all want to see Carlos Vela make a run at his 37-goal total that he scored last year. But what I think we can come to expect much more this season is a shared load led by Raito, Rossi, a hopefully healthy Dio, and Adrian Perez maybe getting a run on wing a little bit as the season goes too, in addition to Carlos Vela. But Philly, let's talk about Goalie Watch 2020. Indeed, Goalie Watch 2020. San Pablo started the game, and judging by the videos that LAFC has posted on their Twitter, gave up the first goal to FC Dallas off the foot of, ha, you guessed it, a player that Scarf mentioned earlier. In fact, since you mentioned it, why don't you finish the name? <laughs> Jesus Ferreira, yeah, that's Dallas right. is number seven, tied it up with a beautiful rocket outside of the penalty area after volleying it off his thigh, a beautiful goal. That's what happened there. An, an own goal by FC Dallas created because of some great passing by LAFC and pressure by Raito put the boys back, finally in black, Back up a goal until a second by FC Dallas towards the end of the third 30-minute period. Yes, they played three 30-minute periods rather than the two 45-minute halves. But it ended with the scoring of both clubs tied in at two. And it looks like my favorite keeper, your favorite keeper, and our friend of the podcast, <laughs> Philip Ejimadu, was in goal for that one. Yeah, it was nice, though, to see Philip out there. He was pretty pissed at himself, according to the video, after he gave up the goal. From what I understand, it might have been either in or close to stoppage time after that 90th minute there. But it's just nice to see Philip getting some run. And I think what that all confirmed for us in the addition of Paulo Pita no longer being in camp is that we will indeed have Philip Ejimadu back in black and gold for this season, at least to begin. So LAFC closes their preseason against Toronto FC at noon on Wednesday, February 12th. And the important thing to remember is if you bought tickets to see Penyarol, you received free tickets to this match. Make sure you claim them in your account if you're trying to get to the game. Call your ticket representative if you have any trouble getting your tickets, but those tickets should be free if you purchased tickets to Penyarol. Now, Philly, before we get into our final segment, which is looking into the collective bargaining agreement recently signed between Major League Soccer and the Major League Soccer Players Association, I want to do a very quick recap of our newest segment, Looking to Leon. Today is Saturday, and on Saturday, February 8th, that's today, Leon will take on Monterey in a top versus bottom of the table matchup, and we will have updates on that game on episode 82 that ends our newest segment looking to Leon now Philly you are the one with the financial background you deal with people's money for a living so why don't you get us started into the new collective bargaining agreement which will definitely have ramifications throughout Major League Soccer for the next bunch of years what a lot of people aren't saying is the fact that had this collective bargaining agreement not been reached the players would have gone on strike And with the players going on strike, that would have meant delaying the season. That could have meant no CONCACAF Champions League. That could have meant no excitement going into season three. That's what is on the the bottom layer of everything going on. We've had so many events. We've had jersey launches. We've had wellness days. We've had all kinds of exciting things. But lo and behold, the idea of the collective bargaining agreement wasn't mentioned as much. And interestingly enough, with three weeks to spare before the season began, and of course even less for CONCACAF Champions League, Major League Soccer and the Players Association announced an agreement that has been signed. Now, this agreement will expire January 31st 
of 2025. So we have some time. The MLS season will progress forward. It obviously needed to. Clearly, the players were on board with what the league wanted. Clearly, the league was on board with what the players wanted. There's too much going on. There are expansion teams. There's a lot of press. There's a lot of things going on. It would have been an absolute travesty and a punch in the face to the progression of this league had a strike happened. But we're going to cover some of the topics that happened within the collective bargaining agreement, and then we're going to go into like some little details. Most of this information was pulled off MLS.com, A lot of the information was also pulled off MLS Extra Time with Andrew Wiebe and Matthew Doyle, the armchair analyst. Now, some of the things that happened, MLS will increase investments in things such as salary budgets, general allocation money, and for the best thing ever, performance bonuses for players. Spending power for every club is going to increase. In 2019, that spending power is around 8.5 million if you want to round it up. Ending in 2024, spending power will jump up to $11.6 million. That is an increase of about 600000 every single year for player spending. In addition to the minimum annual salary, senior roster players will have their salary increase up to $109,200 in 2024. In addition to that, 401k contributions go up to 4.25%. Other benefits will also increase with this new collective bargaining agreement. Now, the players, not only are they going to get bonuses for things going on during the regular season, but they're going to get bonuses for matches played. They're going to get bonuses for being on the 18. There's going to be tournament bonuses. There's going to be a bonus when the teams win. There's going to be playoff bonuses. There's going to be a lot of really good things happening for the players. Yeah, Philly, I think one of those things is that the charter flights, that was a huge deal. Something Wayne Rooney talked about, right, when he was out here with D.C. United. Unfortunately for our fans, what might be happening less and less is that you get to take the same team flight as the team does on their way back from going wherever it was. That was the first time that we encountered LAFC was when we were on the team flight back home from their very first game up in Seattle. The charter flights increasing every single year. And one of the things that I also like, Philly, is that they made the charter flights mandatory. Yes. Eight legs of travel are required by each team to be made charter in 2020, and that doubles in 2024. It goes up two flights every single year, so it goes all the way to 16 mandatory legs of charter travel in 2024. And the other best part about that is in the CONCACAF Champions League and in Major League Soccer playoffs, all legs are required charter, which I think is really, really great. It's one of those things that, I'm sorry, I just don't understand why all teams, all flights are not made mandatory private or charter flights because, look, what we know now is that there is more than enough money in Major League Soccer to go around. David Tepper just paid $325 million in order to get a team in Charlotte. And what we are going to see over the next, I don't know, five, six years, culminating with the 2026 World Cup here in North America, is that the money going into Major League Soccer is going to explode even more. So I'm hoping that the very next thing that we'll be able to check off in the next collective bargaining agreement, which you'll probably hear on episode 379 (laughs) in 2025 of Defenders (laughs) of the Bank, when we talk about that collective bargaining agreement that we sign next, 
All flights will be chartered. Hopefully, salaries will double. I think, Philly, watch, mark my words. We're going to go back and look at episode 81 here and talk about the fact that when we get to 2024, we're going to see how criminally underpaid so many of these players will be by the time all of that money comes rolling in. But again, what a great thing for a lot of these players. And Philly, what about the players now being able to share in media revenue? That's a huge thing. That's an absolutely huge thing. So as far as media revenue is concerned, one of the most lucrative leagues in this game is the Premier League. Without a doubt, just for the honor of playing in the Premier League, for the honor of being a top 20 team, that is hundreds of millions of pounds for these clubs. And with that, they could upgrade facilities, they can buy players. There is a wide variety of things they can do. Not sure if you follow the beautiful game on the English side of things, but the championship final, the game played in Wembley for the rights to move into the Premier League is billed as one of the most lucrative matches in football history. Why? Because it's basically like a $200 million upgrade. Now, MLS isn't going to have those type of numbers. Not yet. But as a result of this new agreement, in 2024-ish, teams are going to get some type of split when it comes to the media money. We know a little bit about it. We don't want to get too much into the weeds for it because, I mean, it's not anything that's come into fruition, but more money is going to come to these teams with these media deals that Major League Soccer hits up with the networks. More money, more players, more players, better players, better competition, better talent. And another initiative hit with this collective bargaining agreement is this new under-22 player initiative. The joke has been so much about the fact that MLS is a retirement league, Scarf. A retirement league. But with this new initiative that's going to begin in 2021, we're going to have the ability to have younger players in this league. International or homegrown. Nothing's finalized yet, but the league does understand that it needs to be a selling league in order to grow. We can't be a retirement league. It can't be the way of bringing these superstars and letting them like come out to the pastures and ride into the sunset. But hold on, they can also do that because I want to watch Wayne Rooney. I want to watch the David Beckhams. I want to watch... The- but they didn't finish here, though. I, well, no, ba- David Beckham. No, no, actually, not, not even Beckham. Not Beckham even Beckham. Beckham. No, PSG. Agree. I don't, you know what? I don't even care, though. It's like one of those things where you get to it's catch... It's a highlight, You yes. get to catch a shooting star, right? And for me, you know, you guys all know, the goal, I'm going to keep speaking it into existence, 4,300-year-old Gianluigi Buffon is going to play here someday <laughs> in Major League Soccer. Just to be able to watch them, sure. But Philly, can you imagine if we took less of a salary hit for signing... Sinfuentes, Palacios, Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, all these young guys that we have been signing time after time after time. That is exactly what this initiative allows, signing three players who are 22 years old or younger on a reduced charge to the club's salary budget. And more details coming on that in just a little bit. And, and unfortunately for the Galaxy... One of the things that won't be happening, at least legally, is the designated player spots will not be increased over three. So the league will have the right to limit compensation now for the third designated player to the maximum TAM salary unless, and this is such a smart move by Major League Soccer, unless that third player is 23 years old or younger. Diego Rossi and Raito, we have that right there. That's right. Now we can sign those players for no limit. That's one of those little small things 
that I thought was a really smart maneuver by Major League Soccer and the Major League Soccer Players Association. What about expanded free agency, Philly? I thought that was a really cool thing with expanded free agency now. We're calling it what? The 24-5 and five rule, right? Indeed, the 24-5 rule. So in the past, in order to like have this the free agency, you, you had to be 28. This rule now comes down. You're 24 years old with five years of service. This will increase the eligible pool of players for free agency. The silly season that happens right before the season begins is going to get even far more interesting because there's going to be bidding wars for players. There's going to be far more players that we can choose from. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing. But one quick thing I just wanted to go back to, Scarf. Yes. On the under-22 thing. Yes. I kind of feel like it is the anti-galaxy rule, which is kind of a cool thing because they're incentivizing teams to keep young players. You think of a player like Gio Reyna. Sure. Who's out there in Europe right now making his mark. It's going to encourage these young players to stay within the U.S. because there are opportunities for them to be incentivized. There's opportunities for them to make money. And there's opportunities, again, for this league to grow by selling these younger players. So that is an interesting thing. The collective bargaining agreement, we pretty much covered a good portion of what the provisions are. We're going to have another episode down the road where it's going to be complete collective bargaining agreement with a guest of the pod who has been on the show before. More on that later. For the most part, this collective bargaining agreement clearly was a good thing and everybody was happy being that they didn't wait until the last second. They had three weeks to spare before the season started and it seems like all parties walked away happy. Yeah, I want to read a quote from Forbes magazine about the collective bargaining agreement. It says, essentially, from cutting the free agency service time requirement in almost half to drastically increasing the use of charter flight travel to bumping minimum salaries and winning rights to share future TV revenue, MLS players emerged from those negotiations having addressed most of their priorities. I thought that was a really cool way to sum it all up. Look, what we thought, what we hoped, what we talked about in earlier episodes was that the money was there now. The money is there for the owners. They know that they are going to be investing in a league that is now here for the long term, celebrating the 25th anniversary this year, all of those great things. MLS is not going anywhere. And further, MLS is just going to continue to grow. And hopefully, if they can figure out how to smartly grow their media imprint with their television contracts, their radio contracts, whatever that might be, that will allow the next step. Look, that's what the NBA did, right? Once the NBA figured out how to market their teams and to get them on television, they went from having the NBA game of the week to there being 30 to 40 nationally televised NBA games on television every single week. So we're really looking forward to this. Philly, one thing I want to make sure we don't gloss over is the incredible week that we have had as we close up our podcast here on episode 81, the Jersey launch week, the fabric of Los Angeles, as they are calling it. Philly, you and I had an amazing time on the 5th at the Jersey launch event. There were DJs. The Jersey reveal was there. We had players come by. That was really cool to see Pablo Cisniega, to see, uh, was it Cifuentes was there, and Diego Palacios, Palacios, right? Three great players coming in. Mark Anthony Kay got a tattoo the next day. Jordan Harvey was there last night with Bob Bradley. And, And you know what? Kudos to some of those fans that waited 
hours to get that jersey too. Us? I mean, that was, well, <laughs> not, no, let's be honest. We did not wait nearly as long as many, 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 many of those fans out there. No, no, no I got there were, at 5.15, dude. Yeah, but <laughs> you, you got there early, but there were some fans that didn't get their jersey till after 10 o'clock. And, and absolutely unbelievable to see the passion and pride for the black and gold, the all gold YouTube logo. We're loving that. And look, it's gotten some mixed receptions on Twitter. We've seen Major League Soccer come out with their list. A couple of other LAFC-related sites have come out with their list. Look, if, if you're asking me, I think some other teams have done an incredible job as well. But this is a kit that we can and should be proud of moving forward. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, Philly, you got to go out to Community Art Night which was the day after the jersey launch. Tell us all about that, because I wasn't able to be there, but all of a sudden I saw someone mention, hey, kudos to LAFC and Defend the Bank. I was like, wait a minute, that's our Twitter handle. We were there, and it was Philly. And that was Slippy, our buddy in Lucky's, who shouted us out. Shout out, Slippy, nothing but love, my man. The event itself was a beautiful art endeavor, and we, I went out there in order to support our buddy Imad. If you don't follow Imad Shoots, on Instagram or Twitter, please go ahead and do so. He is the LAFC photographer. All those beautiful photos that you see of LAFC were shot by Ahmad. So go check him out. So he had his artwork on display. In addition to that, there were tattoos that were being done for free if you got there early. That really was a reason why I went, because I wanted to get that tattoo. Unfortunately, because of work and other obligations, I got there a little too late, so I was unable to to get a tattoo, but that doesn't mean I am not going to get a tattoo. The one thing I will say that benefited, it wasn't as crazy the second night around as it was the first, and from what we saw on Instagram and social media, last night was pretty insane. Probably the most insane night out of them all, but I managed to get my jersey customized that night, and it was a pretty, pretty cool thing. And I want to give a shout-out to Ben Chi and, of course, our friend Devin. They were the ones that put the event together, and they did a really, really unbelievable job. Shout-out to them. Something our friend Ray Rachel at LAFC HQ wanted us to talk about was what's the difference between the authentic jerseys and the replica jerseys? Well, relatively simple thing. The replica jersey is a stitch on application, whereas the authentics are heat sealed. You can really tell the difference by looking at the crest. The authentic has a different, shinier, shimmering type of crest, whereas the replica, still beautiful, but not as shiny. That really is the major difference, as well as the cut in the sizes concerned. Yeah, but. I will say definitely sizing. I know that the goalkeeper kits, for example, are replica sized versus authentic sized. I am a true, unfortunate double XL in the authentic size. I'm working on getting that back down. We've talked about it a couple of times here on the pod. But on the replica goalkeeper kits, the double XL is pretty massive on me. So there's a definite fit difference. Now, I have not put on a replica new kit that we came out with for this year, but I have worn and I have my authentic fit home kit. And I can tell you it definitely fits nicer, in my opinion, than the authentic kits fit last year. It's a little roomier down at the bottom near the belly area, but it's nice and cut towards the top shoulders. Now, the neck is obviously different this year, the V-neck versus that, that circular collar. But, you know, other than that, there's really not much of a difference. Obviously, the price is a big difference. Yes. And look, after you have a couple of Julius Peppers or you come ah. over to the defenders of the bank, the tailgate, and you have a couple of drinks with us, I don't care what crest patch you're wearing. You won't be able to tell. It'll be a good time. So It won't matter. Uh, again, really looking forward to seeing the stands filled with our new black and all gold YouTube kits. Absolutely. And like you were saying, I love the jersey. I, I have yeah. nothing but positive things to say about it. And yeah, look, everyone's entitled to have an opinion. 
But if you have an opinion and you want to post about it on social media, the only thing I ask from a social media viewing perspective is if you're going to criticize it, come up with a solution then. Don't identify a problem and say nothing. If you're like, you know what, I, don't, I think the jersey would look better with gold stripes, fine. That's a solution. Don't just say, oh, it looks bad, they did a terrible job. Because that's a lame comment. You know how much hard work and thought goes into making these jerseys? It's not something that just gets dropped so easily. So if you're going to identify that you have a problem with it, talk about a solution. Because maybe somebody will listen to it. And maybe going forward, it will be acknowledged. On top of that, just in case you forgot how nice our kits are, go ahead and Google the FC Cincinnati 25th anniversary (laughs) kit. Go ahead and Google the San Jose Quakes 25th anniversary kit. And go ahead and Google, if you can stand it, the Chicago Fire's new crest. So as bad as you might think something is in your own neck of the woods, imagine having to wear that crest of the Chicago Fire. Imagine having to wear the jester uniform that FC Cincinnati created, the watermelon kit that the Seattle Sounders have created, the the peeking up little sunrise thing that San Jose has created on their kit. Those are bleh. Congratulations to Jeff, to Marcus, to everybody who's on the front lines designing 100%. things for us. We really do appreciate all of that. We, we've had a pretty good episode here. Philly, anything you want to say before we kick uh, the tires here on closing out episode 81? Well, a couple last things that Rachel did want me to also address, Scarf. Yes. Really quickly. Yes. Talk about why aren't there any kids or women's jerseys in the authentic Philly, cuts. why aren't there any kids or women's jerseys? I mean, this is, it has nothing to do with ageism or sexism or anything of that nature. Authentic means what the players wear. If you look on the pitch, the players are grown men. There aren't kids, they aren't women. And that really is the main reason as to why there are no authentics for kids and women. And the authenticity is, this is what a player would wear. A small up to a double X player. Yeah, I know there aren't very many double X players in Major League Soccer. There is one I have a new favorite player. Well, it would have been Nick Raimondo probably being the biggest one, but he's no longer in the league. But that is really the reason why kids and women aren't authentic because they're player cut, player issued, player style jerseys. What Carlos Vela wears, that's the style in his size, which is probably a men's small. And I want to give one more shout out, Scarf. Yes. To me? I'm always giving a shout-out to you. There's nothing but love between you and I, You said Scarf. I got excited. (laughs) Well, I get excited saying Scarf, let alone you hearing the name Scarf. We'll give a shout-out to our buddy Amir, who we've been chatting with. Amir goes 24, who's been talking to us on social media, and another one of our buddies, actually. Migs, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce the screen handle, but Migs CPN. CPN, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty interesting getting to have dialogue with the supporters and the listeners to our podcast. And it's even better when you get a chance to meet them. All the best to you. Amir presented us with a wine bottle. Dude, that was so nice of him. An LAFC wine bottle that not only had the crest carved in to the bottle, but underneath the crest scarf, it said Defenders which I thought was really, really cool. And it really means a lot to us that we receive this gift. And Amir, I, I just want to quote something that you said. You, this was a gift because you, you, you love the fact that there's people as passionate about the sport as you are. And yes, we are very passionate. Obviously, we're recording a show in a hotel in Rancho Cucamonga because we love what we're doing. We love the sport. We came to watch an indoor soccer match, for Christ's sake. A capacity crowd of 2,400. But if you haven't gone to the Ontario Fury, 
You need to. It's a really, really good time. But I wanted to give a shout-out to Amir. I want to give a shout-out to Mig CPN. I want to give a shout-out to Josuel. Yeah, we hope, Josue, we hope you're feeling better, man. You're, uh, I know you had your appendix out, I think it was, and you got some stuff going on. We're going to miss seeing you at LAFC HQ, but Josue, I hope you're doing well. Hope things are good, man, and we hope to hear back from you soon. And I think, Philly, that about closes the door on episode number 81. We look forward to recording right after the game on the 12th, closing out the preseason against Toronto FC. It is a noon game against Toronto on Wednesday the 12th. And with that, you guys know how we like to end our episodes. Bye-bye.